Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we talk nothing but sports for the duration of the show. We do have a little bit of news first coming out of college football. It is official. Yep. Jaden Daniels has officially been named the winner of the Heisman Trophy. Jaden Daniels, after I believe he set a couple of records this past uh, this past year with the LSU Tigers, uh, but 40 touchdowns and four picks, uh, throwing for 3,812 yards, and I believe he also had 10 rushing touchdowns to go with 1,134 yards rushing as well at LSU. Uh, he is the third Tiger to win the award uh, in particular for the Heisman Trophy. And uh, needless to say, it looks like Jaden Daniels is probably going to be shooting up the draft boards as well, considering, I mean, he is already a top 10 pick. Uh, but uh, we do have Lou and we have Diane joining uh, joining us uh, to begin the night. How are you two doing tonight? All right, we're just catching the announcement of the high yeah. trophy, and uh, I think they made the right choice. Not the, I thought yeah, it was you, kind of classy because you know I, I was watching this game how these players are doing. Uh, I wasn't a tough choice, but I think, I think in the end, I think Daniels was going to take it. Yeah, you know, I mean, just looking at the at the players available, I mean, you had Bo Nix, you had uh, yeah. Michael Penix Jr., and you had uh, you had Marvin Harrison Jr. And I mean, right off the bat, you you can throw Nix right out the window because he's basically, mm-hmm. you know, you can't fall for the whole Marcus Mariota Jr. Uh, thing he's got over there no. in Oregon because those numbers are very misleading mm. uh, considering even though he put up the numbers similar to uh, to Marcus Mariota the, yeah. you know the fact remains that J- Jaden Daniels I mean he honestly with the numbers he put up this year, the only reason why he's not considered to be the number one consensus overall quarterback in the, uh, in the NFL draft this year is because everybody considers, uh, what's his name? Uh, everybody considers Williams to be a generational talent. When yeah, when yeah, one would argue that, Jaden Daniels is actually, you know, he plays in the uh, in the tougher conference in the SEC. Mm-hmm. But instead, you know, Caleb Williams. They say that Caleb Williams is the is a generational quarterback, but yet he wasn't even in the Heisman running this year. So yeah, you hear a lot of that lately. Generational talents, generational quarterbacks, or. Fullbacks or setters or what's going on, but what I actually declare is a generational type like player. 
Like, if someone was well, a senior and someone was a junior? No. No, um, I think when it comes to generational talent, they consider it as, like, like but let's say a uh, – for example, in hockey terms, let's say Connor McDavid. Oh, Wayne Gretzky. Is it another Wayne Gretzky? You know, or yeah, Wayne Gretzky. Okay, yeah, you could you could say Wayne Gretzky or Connor McDavid. Like, you're not going to get that type of talent uh, every single year. Right. Well, so, I, was, I was like comparing. I was like because it seems like they were trying to compare Connor McDavid to Wayne Gretzky. But I don't think McDavid is, you know, nearly as great as, as Gretzky as Gretzky was. There will never be another Wayne Gretzky. You can say that again. No. No, there never will be another Wayne Gretzky. I, I mean, but to be fair, though, you take a look at the numbers that Connor McDavid has been putting up since he uh, debuted in the league. Mm. I mean, he's he's pretty much as close to Wayne Gretzky as we're going to get. Even though he's had to win a to win a title, <laughs> I mean, he just put up 153 points last year, Lou. 64 yeah. goals, 89 assists. That is that's good numbers. I mean, as, that's as close to yeah. Wayne Gretzky as we're gonna get. Yeah, you don't see the you don't see numbers like that every year. No. And not to mention, not just that, but also he's got two other players, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Leon Dreisaitl, who are capable of putting up 100-point seasons as well playing with him. So to have those two type of players uh, uh, alongside you and still put up those type of numbers, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, if you're a generational talent, that means that there's a gap between elite players and you. And, I mean, obviously, you know, Gretzky was on a completely different level, but I would almost put Connor McDavid uh, close to Wayne Gretzky when it comes yeah. to, uh, as far as talent goes. The, pro- the problem with McDavid is he has, he, he just has incompetent uh, managers. You know, yeah. he has an incompetent yeah. GM. And he doesn't have uh, people who can actually build who can actually build a team around him. Right. But uh, Lou, uh, since we are on the topic of college football, I figured we would start out tonight with the bowl bonanza picks. Yeah. Because okay. uh, we have. Because we have the we have the we have the college bowls, obviously, uh, were yes. just announced this week, and obviously, I I have my picks already already in, and I'll you know I'll go uh, one by one okay. along with you. Uh, so we have thirty six games to choose from. Uh, we'll be picking from all thirty six uh, against the spread. Uh, our first one is the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl uh, that has the Miami, Ohio Red Hawks as five-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Appalachian State Mountaineers. And from what it's wor- for what it's worth, I picked Appalachian State in this one. So did I. So did I. All right. All righty, so... We have Appalachian State for you. 
for for you too. Um, how about we go to the Isleta New Mexico Bowl? Uh, the New Mexico State Aggies they are three point favorites uh, against the Fresno State Bulldogs. I went with New Mexico State. All right, New Mexico State, and I believe. Let me let me double check. I believe I picked I picked Fresno State on this one. Fresno. Um, hmm. Fresno. Okay, so we have two one for Fresno. Uh, the Starco Brands New Mexico Bowl. Uh, we have the UCLA Bruins are two and a half point favorites against the Boise State Broncos. I'll and I picked UCLA. You got UCLA as well, Lou? I do. I do. All righty. Uh, I will put that in. Uh, what about you, Diane? What What do you think for this one? For UCLA. <laughs> All righty. Uh, next, we have the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl that sees the California Golden Bears as three-point underdogs to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. And I, for this one, I believe I chose the California Golden Bears. I went with Texas Tech. Me too. All righty, Texas Tech for this one. Okay, so our next one we have is the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl that sees the – South Florida Bulls as three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Syracuse Orange. And I chose South Florida for this one. I chose Syracuse. Hmm. I'm going to go to Syracuse. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it was kind of of back and forth for me on this one because – uh, you know, Syracuse, they've been known to kind of shock, but at the same time, you know, South Florida, I believe they played a tougher schedule. So uh, that's why I chose South Florida. Uh, but what about our next one, the Union Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl? Uh, we got the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets as four-and-a-half-point favorites against, against, excuse me, against the Central Florida Knights. And I chose Texas, or not Texas Tech, I chose Georgia Tech for this one. I chose Georgia Tech. So my gosh. All righty. Next, we have the 76 Birmingham Bowl. Uh, That pits the uh, Troy Trojans as seven-point underdogs to the Duke Blue Devils. And I took Duke on this one simply because of how they've seemingly revamped their entire football squad over the last two years. What do you think, Di? You think I should do it? If you want. Okay. Duke, 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 <laughs> All right, so we got we got everybody uh, going for Duke on this one. Um, yeah, yeah. you about... missed the intro. He did the same thing. 
Oh, yeah, I uh, I ended up having to cut off, unfortunately, uh, before the second hour um, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. today. But how about the uh, Camellia Bowl? We have the Arkansas State Red Wolves as one-point favorites uh, against Northern Illinois. I was Northern Illinois. Me too. Oh, Northern Illinois. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. We, will, weird, huh? we will slap that. Well, you know, it, it is kind of weird because I, you know, I, I'm actually kind of surprised Northern Illinois even made a bowl this year because yeah. you don't really hear a lot out of them, uh, you know, during the season. I'm guessing you didn't go for for Northern Illinois. Uh, no, I, I went for Arkansas State, but only because after I saw how they played UMass this year. Mm-hmm. So how about the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl that sees the James Madison Dukes as three-point favorites against the Air Force Falcons? This is the year James Oh, Madison should I do it, Lou? Should I do it? Yes. Never can stop the U.S. Air Force. I like that. Thanks. But anyway, this, this has been a year for James Madison, both in um, basketball and football. I've been very impressed with them, so I'm, I'm going to take James Madison. Yeah, I, I kind of had a feeling you'd say James Madison because uh, we've really seen them pop up onto the uh, onto the uh, the the well. Yeah, out of all the leagues, out of all the sports, uh, we've really seen them pop up uh, onto the scene. Um, Absolutely. I ended up, I ended up going with James Madison as well uh, for this one. Uh, what about the '68 Ventures Bowl? We have the South Alabama Jaguars, who are 15 and a half point favorites against the Eastern Michigan Eagles. I'll go to Eastern Michigan. I think uh, that that's too high of a spread. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's exactly what I was thinking too. Uh, when, as soon as I saw fifteen and a half, I just thought, uh, exactly. considering the two the two teams that are playing each other, they're not really well known. So. I mean, if it was Georgia, you know, that might be a different story. But, right. you know, these two teams, anything could possibly happen. So I ended up going with Eastern Michigan as well. Uh, how about the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl that saw the Utah Utes uh, as six-and-a-half-point favorites against the Northwestern Wildcats? And I ended up going with Utah for this one. I went with Northwestern. Ooh, okay, Northwestern. So both Diane and Lou have Northwestern on this one. Um, Next is the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl that sees the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers as nine-and-a-half-point underdogs against the San Jose State Spartans. I think I will with Coastal Carolina. Same. Uh, yeah, let me see what I took. I believe. No, I took San Jose State. Okay. 
Yeah. Oh, I think I know why. Because last time I, the last year when I took Coastal Carolina, it blew up in my face. Last right. year. Uh, next, we have the Quick Lane Bowl that sees the Bowling Green Falcons as three and a half point underdogs to the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Well, since I've never heard of Bowling Green, I took Minnesota. I took Bowling. I took Bowling Green. Yeah, I, I ended Where's up choosing that? Indiana, I think. Okay. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's Indiana. Yeah, and I ended up going Bowling Green as well uh, on this go around. Um, it's a we, have the serve, we have the uh, Serve Pro First Responder Bowl uh, that sees the Texas State Bobcats as three and a half point favorites over the Rice Owls. And I ended up going with Rice for this one. I went with Texas Tech. Same. All right. So Texas State. There we go. Um, Yeah, Texas State. Uh, Next, we have the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, as the Kansas Jayhawks are 12.5-point favorites over the UNLV Rebels. (laughs) And I ended oh. up going with uh, Kansas. Uh, I'll take uh, Yuman all day. Now, it depends on what the going ring is going by these teams. So, um, I got to think about, you know. Um, oh, it's 12 and a half. <laughs> uh, yuck. I'm not, I'm not going to go with Yuman that's for sure. All right. So, Kansas Jayhawks then. Yeah, that's um, an easy one. Next is the Military Bowl that pits the Virginia Tech Hokies as eight-point favorites over the Tulane the Tulane Green Wave, and I ended up going Tulane on this one. Oh, I'm thinking Virginia Tech. Same. Yeah, this uh, this was another one I wasn't really sure about uh, with Virginia yeah. Tech. Um, so I'll put Virginia Tech down. Uh, next we got the Duke's Mayo Bowl that that pits the North Carolina Tar Heels as three and a half point underdogs to the West Virginia Mountaineers. I'm gonna go North Carolina. Same. Yeah, I chose North Carolina, and I, I'm wondering is that because Drake May is not playing? Is that why? Maybe. They're three-and-a-half-point underdogs? Hmm. That's what I'm wondering. Uh, and this next one, too, as well, the DirecTV Holiday Bowl has the oh, Louisville yeah. Cardinals as seven-and-a-half-point seven underdogs against the USC Trojans. And I find this interesting because USC is not going to have Caleb Williams playing, but yet USC is the favorite still. Uh, I think we'll go to USC. Yeah, but USC against who? Uh, Louisville. Uh, oh. They give me USC. All righty. I will put down USC. Uh, next, we have the Tax Act Texas Bowl 
that pits the Texas A&M Aggies as three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Good. And I've got the – I think I've got the Aggies on this one. Yeah, I'll get the Aggies too. Same. All righty. Uh, and this next one, this next one was actually a pretty easy choice for me because uh, I've seen one of the two teams play this year. And, my God, let me just say, it's going to take more than the spread for them to actually win. Uh, the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, uh, with the SMU Mustangs being 11-point favorites against the Boston College Eagles. And I'm telling you right now, based off of what I've seen on out of Boston College, it was easy for me to take SMU. I think you're right. I think I better, better take SMU. Same. All right. Next, we have the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl uh, that pits the Rutgers Scarlet Knights as two-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Miami Hurricanes. So I'm home, going home state. Rutgers. Same. Yeah, I kind of – I kind of had a feeling you would go Rutgers. I ended up going with Miami uh, for ah. this matchup. Um, next, we have the Pop-Tarts Bowl uh, that pits the <laughs> NC State Wolfpack as three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Kansas State Wildcats. You know, I think we're going to go with Kansas State. Same. Kansas State, okay, and I chose, I think it was the Wolfpack that I chose for this one. Um, our next one, the, the Valero Alamo Bowl, pits the Arizona Wildcats as surprising, in my opinion, three-point favorites to the Oklahoma Sooners. And I ended up going uh, with, the, uh, with the Sooners for this one. I'll take the I'll take the Sooners. Same. I was honestly I was kind of surprised for for one of the uh, for one of college football's supposedly highest rated offenses, and yet they're three point underdogs in this. Mm. That's the one thing I couldn't understand. Uh, but next we have the. The Tax Slayer Gator Bowl that pits the Clemson Tigers as seven-point favorites over the Kentucky Wildcats, and I went with Clemson for this matchup. So, so same. Clemson. Okay. Uh, next, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl that has the Oregon State Beavers as eight and a half-point underdogs to the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I have a feeling I might know where you're going with this one. I chose Notre Dame. So did I. Same. And, of course, wait, I think it's going to be great. Exactly. Great. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to yeah. do it. I know. <laughs> Uh, next is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl that pits the Memphis Tigers as eight-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Iowa State Cyclones. And if memory serves me – oh, no, I picked Memphis. I thought I, thought I picked uh, Iowa State. 
No, I picked Memphis. What are your thoughts Memphis. on this one, Lou? I'll take Memphis. Same. All righty, and, Di- and Diane had Memphis as well. Uh, next, we have the Goodyear Cotton Bowl that surprisingly has the Missouri Tigers as one-and-a-half-point favorites over the Ohio State Buckeyes. And seeing how that's an easy win for me, I chose Iowa, or Iowa uh, Ohio State. Going out, going with the Buckeyes. Same. Yeah, I mean seriously, how can how can you have a team that's in the running for the college football playoff and yet and yet somehow they're the underdog in their in their yeah. uh, bowl game? Exactly. That makes no sense to me. Um, next, though, we have the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Uh, that pits the Ole Miss Rebels as three-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Penn State Nittany Lions. And I ended up going with Penn State. Go Lions. Same. All righty. Next, the Trans-Perfect Music City Bowl uh, that pits the Auburn Tigers as two-and-a-half-point favorites to the Maryland Terrapins. And I went Auburn for this matchup. Um, yeah, Auburn. Same. Auburn. Okay. Uh, next, we have the Capital One Orange Bowl that has the Georgia Bulldogs as 14-point favorites over the Florida State Seminoles. And I ended up going Georgia. All right. Same. By the way, uh, we're, uh, let's cut, let's actually cut into our picks here for a second because we need to discuss this. Yes. Maybe Remember the biggest in- the biggest upset out of all of the college football playoff picks. Florida State gets left out. And the big reason from, according to a spokesperson that they had for the committee, the biggest reason is because Florida State is a completely different team with their third-string quarterback as opposed to if they had Jordan Travis official, uh, you know, fully healthy. And... I don't know about you, Lou, but to me, that's a gigantic slap in the face, I feel, it is. to every single player. That is. Where is the logic in that? Florida State deserved it. it. They deserved to get the bowl game. They, they were 13-1. They were in top five all year, and this stupid committee decided to snub them to Alabama to get in, who wasn't even in the top five all year. You can bet I'm guessing this is a good team. You can bet Nick Saban was in cahoots with this. Yeah, I, I mean, it is. It, it drew a whole bunch of criticism uh, from oh, yeah. not just not just fellow not just fellow football players and coaches, but also it drew a lot of criticism as well 
from sure. the uh, from Congress in particular as uh, what's it called? One of the uh, state senators of Florida apparently is launching an investigation into uh, the picks as well as uh, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, apparently is launching an investigation into why Florida State was left out despite being a uh, an undefeated team. It's a good theory, Terry. And you know what? Let's and you, you know what? Too? Let, let's bring uh, Alex into this. Uh, Alex, uh, you, you you just joined us as we were uh, uh, we were taking a break from the bowl picks uh, to talk a little bit about the controversy that uh, has flooded college football this week over yeah. the snubbing of Florida State in favor of Alabama. Wow. Yeah, I just I, I touched on it real brief with Luke earlier. It's just a, such a such an unfortunate situation for the you know the teammates who worked so hard, and then you really, at the end of the day you get punished because your quarterback got injured. Like they they they're like guilty of something that they didn't do anything wrong. So they're like they're getting penalized and like stripped of a chance to play on the biggest stage that they've dreamt of playing their whole lives just because of a really unfortunate injury. So. You know, if, if Tom Brady goes down when the Patriots were kicking everyone's ass, they wouldn't, you know, get kicked out of the playoffs suddenly. Yeah. Or, you know, if Michael Jordan went if Michael Jordan went down, the Bulls weren't disqualified suddenly. So it's like, right? Not to, not to necessarily, you know what I mean? I mean, Jordan Travis is obviously not a go, uh, you know, basketball time or anything, but you get where I'm where I'm going. You know, the, the leader of a team, if they go down, the, the rest of the team shouldn't pay the price. Shouldn't they should still have a chance to move on? So, and they were undefeated. Yeah. So it's with four teams and there's not enough room, but I, I really, I, I know it's like they're a little bit watered down because they don't have their full roster, but it's just, it's really rotten that the, his teammates and the fans got punished for a really terrible injury. It's just not right. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like I said, it's like a complete slap in the face to every other player on that team. Yeah. To basically say, to basically tell them, you know what, you're not worth anything uh, without your top quarterback. So, yeah, because of that, we're going to keep That's you right. out for. Uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna keep you out uh, in in uh, in the fifth ranking, as opposed to letting you come uh, letting you come in. And instead, cool. we're going to go with the team that everybody loves. We're going to go with Alabama uh, for beating Georgia. Yeah, it's bad enough uh, FSU got through, but again, it's like so obvious they're going to take Bama too to make it even worse. Like, oh God, you just see it coming from a mile. Well, once Bama beat Georgia, all hell broke loose. All bets were off. You know, the committee was trying to get into, oh, perfect. Now we have our excuse. We have the perfect reason to, to get our, our boys Bama back in the big dance, like they always are. There's always a ways to get away in there, one way or the other. Yeah, it, it, it's just, honestly, it's come, I mean, I understand putting Bama in because, you know, like we talked about last week, college football now all of a sudden is all about ratings and all about yeah. – uh, you know, all about ratings and all about, 
you know, the bigger name universities, I mean, unless they're statistically eliminated, like if they have two losses or something and they're technically statistically eliminated, uh, normally that would mean that, you know, you're basically, you're, you're basically seeing uh, a team like Alabama Despite that one loss to Texas, and and I honestly still believe that's why Texas got in at number three, was because they yeah. beat Alabama earlier this year. Uh, and I mean, to be quite honest, they weren't really that uh, impressive in their uh, in their championship game because they were. Ba- the thing about Texas is when they face lesser teams, they run up the score. Yes. They love to run up the score against lesser teams, whereas if they're facing tougher teams, they win by like three points or something. Mm-hmm. And this is one thing that uh, when I was talking with Jim uh, earlier this week, that's the one thing he brought up about Texas is that is the fact that you know literally they're just they're a team that basically loves to run up the score against lesser teams. Right. Now, Washington at number two, I understand, because, you know, undefeated. Obviously, you know, just like uh, what somebody said on your show earlier today, Lou, if you're undefeated and you win your conference, uh, you deserve an automatic spot in the football playoff. That was our first year. Yeah, and it's not obvious. Yeah. Good to have a – good to have the occasional team and come on they went undefeated they beat Oregon you know they did have a hell of a season Penix is awesome I, I like seeing a team like Washington get in just change it up a little bit give them a shot you know they I think they definitely deserve a spot yes I'm not so much right and that. yeah yeah uh Diane I think I think you joined after um after that was brought up uh, earlier today. Yes, yes. I probably did. Yes, you did. Okay. But, uh, you know, I do agree. I do agree with, uh, you know, w- with Washington, the fact that they're undefeated, uh, not to mention they have one of the top quarterbacks being advertised in this draft. So it would make sense to have a stud of a quarterback, at, uh, you know, in the spotlight like Michael Penix. Um, you know, the same can be, uh, the same, you know, the same can be said for JJ McCarthy with, uh, with Michigan as well. Although to be fair, Michigan, I mean, it's only, it's fitting that they got the number one spot after how, after how they finished off, uh, how they finished off their season. Basically, once they got by Ohio state, it was, it was a foregone conclusion, basically, that they were going to be number one. And yeah. I don't think anybody thought that Iowa would, had any shot in hell of upsetting them. So, you know, it, it basically makes the most sense uh, that Michigan would finish off at number one. The one gripe I have about this, though, and I'm kind of I'm happy that they're expanding the field to 12 next season. Yeah. Uh, is the fact that Georgia, you have here, you have a back-to-back national champion, and you're not all because of they went undefeated the whole season, 
and all because of one loss in the championship game, you're not going to yeah. give them the chance to defend their championship. That's that's mm-hmm. bogus. I mean, I see it like this. If you're a national champion, if you're a defending national champion, I honestly feel you should have you should automatically have one of those spots. The, yeah. Obviously, the difference is, you know, the only the only difference I would say is like say you're mathematically eliminated if you have like two losses or something. But if you're, you know, if you have only one loss, I still think you should automatically make it in because of the fact yeah. that you're the defending national champion. Because like they say, you're not the champion unless you beat the champion. Unless you, um, unless the champion is eliminated. That's I like I like your idea, but it's tough with the limited yeah. spots because it's like that would almost be like, um, you know, several years ago if the Red Sox win, you know, they, they, up, you got to get them back in. Like every year is different. Every year is different. You know, I like the idea of like defending your title, but there's a lot yeah. of deserving teams. So that would just make that, you know what I mean. That would make it even harder. That would make it even less spots available. It's just such a screwed up system. I, right now. I know, but what, you know, Alex. Obviously, with the Red Sox, it's different because with the Red Sox, with other sports, you're going based off of record. You don't have like an actual ranking system like college does. And I was just, I was just you using know, them randomly. I know, I know you're a Sox fan. I was just naming a random pick. like, like if any, uh, you know, yeah, like let's say the Lakers win this year, nothing's given next year. They got to go back and work hard and earn it because someone else is maybe someone else is deserving of that spot. So it's like. But yeah, right. when it doesn't come down just to the overall record, that's where it gets so muddy. Muddy because you had several teams undefeated, and Bama lost. And remember the week before the championship game, they had like a fourth and forever. They got so lucky to avoid two losses, and then they make the championship right. again. So it's like they yeah. haven't even been in the position to beat Georgia. It was just lunacy the last month, and they they snuck in. Too stupid. <laughs> And you know, honestly, I I I look at it like this as well. Uh, and of course, it would have been a nightmare scenario if, if say, Iowa were to have beaten Michigan. Uh, but I look at it like this: if you win your conference, if you win the the championship game of your conference, I think you should have a spot as well. So let's yeah. say, okay, let's say we open it up. Let's let's say it would have been six spots instead of four. I. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they okay, let's say Iowa were to have won over Michigan, or or yeah, okay, let's say obviously Alabama wins over Georgia. Alabama would get that spot because of the SEC title win, and obviously, you know, Georgia in that case they're the national champion or defending national champion. But let's say. Yeah. Iowa randomly beats Michigan, like hell freezes over, and Michigan, Michigan's defense uh, becomes so incompetent that they forgot how to defend. Um, never happened. Iowa. I, I, well, yeah, that would never happen. But I would, I would almost think that you know, if you're, a, if you're a conference champion, you deserve a spot in that football playoff. Yeah. In other words, like, yeah. In other words, do all teams deserve a spot? 
Not no. all. No. But what I'm saying is, like, it would it would be like, say, in baseball, say, oh, the New York Yankees won the American League East. Oh, but they didn't make the playoffs. You know, it makes no sense. Right. Yeah, the only way to fix it is the expansion, which it's, is it 100% taking effect next year? Or is it just a much rumored uh, yes. discussion? It yeah, is. then so this is the year that just totally screws over the Florida State fans and the defending champs. Several teams are very pissed off, rightfully so. Yeah. I hope Bama goes down hard. <laughs> hey, you yeah. never know. I mean, anything's anything's possible, but what, what, um, considering cons- considering the spread, I would almost I would say that Alabama has a pretty good shot. Yeah, yeah. they're peaking at the right time now. They're they're the hottest team. It looks like. I mean, let those guys in now. Anything's possible. Right. They just beat Georgia. And speaking, oh, they can't be playing any better. They just smoked Georgia. They smacked Georgia around. So. They're riding. They're, they got all the momentum right now. They're playing with house money too. They barely got in, so they're confident. And yeah, speak, I mean, it would speaking of which, they, they can win it. Possibly, but speaking of which, let's uh, finish up the bowl picks. Uh, Alex, I know you're going to be turning in your bowl picks later. Um, yeah, but. Uh, let's get. Let's. We can. You can. You can basically give your picks as well. Uh, you know, as we uh, as we finish up here, uh, but we have the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl that has the Toledo Rockets as two point favorites over the Wyoming Cowboys, and I believe for this one I chose Toledo. Yeah, I chose Toledo for this one. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to Toledo. Yeah, I'll go to Toledo as well. Same. Toledo, okay. Go to Ohio. Uh, Ohio. Yeah, and plus, plus I honestly, I haven't really heard much out of Wyoming because I don't think you know they don't really play uh, the bigger name teams, do they? Mm, I don't think so. Um, Our next matchup, we have the Relia Quest Bowl. Uh, that has the Wisconsin Badgers as ten and a half point underdogs to the LSU Tigers, and considering we have a national uh, or we have a Heisman Trophy winner out of LSU in Jaden Daniels, I went with LSU. Oh, I don't think he's playing though, Steve. Is he playing, guys? Mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he's skipping it. Yeah, because he's going to the draft. Well, I'm pretty sure. I think I. I yeah. think I heard that. I know Caleb, whatever. You know, I need to be part of the honor to be drafted. He's skipping. A lot of guys that are top ten picks are skipping if if they can't win the win the national championship. I think Jordan Travis declared he's not blind. I read that. That he's sitting mm. out. Let me double check on that one. <laughs> if he is, that that spread's gonna vanish. It's gonna become suddenly they'll be the underdog, I would think. Uh nope, that's the wrong bowl. Let's try let's try that again, Steve. The ReliaQuest bowl. Not the Vivo bowl. Um uh, I don't see 
Jaden Daniels. Uh, it says that he hasn't made a decision yet. Uh, okay, my bad. Sorry to throw that in there then. I thought I'd heard that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to go. Uh, ahead looks, you. Yeah, that's what I chose because I assume that he's probably going to play. Um, otherwise, even if he didn't play, I still think LSU wins it. Yeah. Same. Uh, next, we have the Fiesta Bowl uh, with Oregon as 16-point favorites over the Liberty Flames, and it's worth noting that Bo Nix did officially say that he would play in the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. Should I do it? It's 500th college, it's 500th college game. Should I do it? Go ahead. Liberty, 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 liberty. Well, they're looking for what they need. All right, what, what um, are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, Liberty and Oregon. Oregon, no question. Oregon, okay. Uh, Alex, what about you? Yeah, I don't know how the hell Oregon was so damn good all year, and now they're playing against Liberty and a bowl. Man. Yeah. Might yeah have fallen. Uh, <laughs> if they're dialed in, they might just score a 90 just they have everyone. I'm going Oregon Ducks. Franklin. All right. Uh, next, we have the Cheese It Citrus Bowl that has the Iowa Hawkeyes and an insurmountable seven and a half point spread uh, as the <laughs> underdog to the Tennessee Volunteers. And. I'll just tell you right now, I went Tennessee because there's no way in hell that uh, that Iowa is outscoring them, considering they can barely even put yeah. up points as it is. Yeah, give me the volunteers. Yeah, Iowa cannot yeah. drag their way into the end zone. They're so inept offensively. Tennessee. Same. Yes. All right. Uh, next, we have the uh, semifinal at the Rose Bowl. Uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide are one-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Michigan Wolverines. And I ended up going with uh, with Alabama for the upset on this one. Ooh. Forget it. You got Michigan, Lou? Oh, yeah. Same. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i just pissed off about Alabama. But, I mean, either way, if, even if I wasn't angry about them sliding into the spots of people like FSU, I mean, I've seen both teams. I think I like Michigan a little bit more. I'm going to take Michigan. And I, I yeah. assume, Lou, you're going to use your – I assume you're going to you're going to use your lock on Michigan? No question. Ooh. Oh, I like the All right, so – I'll put the lock. Are on you that. right? You're not, uh, Steve. I don't. Ex- I don't expect you. You're not writing this stuff down, are you? I wouldn't expect you to. But if you are, then well, I, no, I can I'm get doing, my I'm pick doing later. For, uh, I'm doing. I'm doing it for Lou because I because I knew I knew you were gonna you were gonna give your picks later. Uh, you you asked me how. Uh, uh, okay. You asked me how. Uh, you know what the uh, cutoff is. So. Um, okay. Cool. 
but if you want if you want though i can i can write down the picks that you had already you had already done yeah that'd be great man if you don't mind i'm okay. outside and then i'll so, start a little later but yeah if you can jot them down it'd be awesome i'll go michigan there all right so yeah yeah um so are you guys you on the uh, are you Diana Lou, are you guys on the sports? You guys are on the sports whispers, right on Facebook. Well, I don't have Lewis. Facebook. I am. Oh, okay. Got it. I don't Lewis, have Facebook. I have, I if I had Facebook, I, I, I would be on it. I don't have it. Uh, yeah, I do. I, I do have yours listed uh, right uh, right now, though, Diane, on my uh, on my little document nice. here. Uh, but just to, just to double check, uh, just to double check, Alex, you took Toledo, LSU, Oregon, uh, Tennessee, and Michigan, right? Yeah, that's right. Those four picks. Okay. Okay. So um, I will mark those down, and I uh, once we finish this up, uh, you can just give me the other picks uh, before. Let's see. When is the first date? Uh, the first date is is next Saturday. So yeah. it would have to be before kickoff next Saturday, which is at three thirty. Yeah, first game is three thirty next Saturday. Got it. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So next we have, or the final game, I should say, we have the Sugar Bowl. Uh, with the Texas Longhorns as four-point favorites over the Washington Huskies. And I chose Texas for this one out of much deliberation. It'd be a hell of a game. Oh, wait, no, I said Washington, I mean. Getting four, yeah. We'll put down Texas Texas for you. Uh, what about, what about you, Alex? What are you thinking for this one? Washington's, Washington's getting four, right? Four point underdog? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Washington. I think they're going to get to the finalized. You know, even if they lose by a field goal, win the bet. Four points is a great bet. Can I flip a coin? I'm going to go Washington. Uh, righty. So, I just... You're going to go Texas, Lou. Okay. Yeah. Um, when did, so you, I have when both... did you get for me? Did you get anything for me? Well, I thought you said, no, didn't Texas. you say Texas? Right, Texas. Right. So I have that I have that marked down for you as well, Diane. Um, All right. So I have submitted, I have submitted those picks officially into the Sports Whispers uh, thing. So, um, those obviously those won't be tallied officially until all of the all of the bowl games have been played. Um, but needless to say, uh, I just got I got to say thank God that it's that it's four less games than last year. Last year I believe we had forty picks that we had to make. Um, <laughs> wow, brutal. Just wait, just, yeah. Just wait, uh, Alex, until you see how big the document is going to be once I post all the picks on Facebook. The Bartolo, the Bartolo Cologne discount bowl. Yeah, it's just like how many bowls? There's like seven thousand bowls, right? <laughs> Bartolo. Yeah, I mean, my God. 
There, there's not, there's just a ton of them. Just make up a bowl name and um, we'll schedule two teams and we'll, we'll, we'll get a play tomorrow. Like Literally, the NCAA is just like, let's go, Bulls. Come on. The more money, the better. Yeah. How do you come up with these bowl names? Some of them are just ridiculous. <laughs> it's the sponsors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dollar well, that's, bowl. A, that's the thing, too, is there's a, there's a whole bunch of sponsors, and that's why they get all these different bowl names. Uh, matter of fact, I believe the last one that came in was uh, Barstool Sports a couple of years ago oh, that started doing the That's Barstool right. Bowl. Mm-hmm. Pretty good name, by the way. <laughs> Some of oh, it is, are yeah. I, I mean, love them or hate them. Yeah, you know, the names can be ridiculous, but it's – Diana, it, it, a lot of it a lot of it has to do with the sponsorships. That's why. Yeah, yeah it does. Okay. So, Cash um, But let's go over to baseball because we have maybe the biggest story uh, in all of professional sports, and there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a dispute going on with this right now. Uh, nothing is finalized as of yet, uh, according to Ken Rosenthal, because of well, let's just put it this way: the team, uh, the L.A. Dodgers, are being a little secretive as to whether or not this is even confirmed. But Shohei Otani himself has announced that he will sign with the L.A. Dodgers. And it is a record-setting deal for not just Major League Baseball, but all of professional sports in general. We're talking soccer. We're talking, we're talking hockey, basketball, football, and baseball. Any professional sport. Ten years, $700 million. No opt-outs, and not just that, but all of the money is, or most of the money is backloaded, which means that the Dodgers in the early years of this contract can still put together a team around Otani to help them compete and win the next 10 World Series if they feel like it. They got to get pitching us, Steve. Yeah, I'm just saying their pitch, their pitching staff is absolutely busted. It's broken. Pitching beats good hitting in, in the playoffs. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. It's, it's the most. Yeah, you, Steve, you're totally right. I'm not trying to cut down on anyone, but like the the, the Freeman Betts Otani that trio is absolutely incredible, best of all time. But I'm just saying they yeah. they really gotta they gotta add arms. I mean, their whole staff is like broken down from first shot down. Unless they're going to score, you know, twelve to eight and win twelve to nine every night, twelve to seven, that doesn't work in the playoffs. I don't know. They need a couple arms. Oh no, I agree. I definitely, I definitely agree with you that uh, you know it takes it takes more than just a, a an elite offense. It takes pitching. The Dodgers, you know, they are very injury prone right now with their pitchers. Uh, you know, Shohei, he won't be able to pitch until the second year of his deal, uh, if it yeah. finalizes, that is. 
if it finalizes, I guess apparently there's the possibility that this might fall through. Wow. Um, I forgot Dave Roberts. They got to overcome Dave Roberts sometimes managing. He's not exactly the uh, second coming as far as true. managers. I don't know. It's the best trio but, ever, though. You're right. I like. Yeah. That's a ridiculous offensive trio. It's it's insane. But according to Ken Rosenthal, though, uh, he said the Dodgers have yet to even acknowledge the deal. And according to a story by Andy McCullough of The Athletic, Dodgers officials declined comment when asked if Otani had taken a physical. Wow. So, I, I you know, I think the big question here is, is it falling through or is it because there's other hurdles that they have to go through first in order to, like, like for example, they have to make a roster spot. So that means they'd have to clear somebody off of the 40 man list in order to make it go through. Uh, or are there other variables at play? You know, maybe uh, there was a there was a rumor there was a rumor last night that he had an agreement with the Toronto Blue Jays that ended up falling yes, through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a rumor earlier today before the LA Dodgers news that he had a deal with the Chicago Cubs that fell through. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that was even true. Um, and according to John Heyman, the decision the decision was between the Angels, the Blue Jays, and the Dodgers, and he ended up ultimately going to the Dodgers. Well, he did say he wanted to play for his uh, cross river rival, so that's where he wanted to go. And plus, it means he doesn't have to move. Well, there is because he lives in California. Yes, exactly. He loves the West Coast, and that's the closest to his home, his home country as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot closer than heading out east. Well, he's originally from Japan. Yes. Okay. A lot quicker flight. Because if you fly, the, the California is on the way from Japan. It, it, then you have to fly the entire else uh, the other the. Uh, fly through the entire country to get to the East Coast from that angle. Yeah. He's flying west to east. Of course, you get places on west, too. Okay. Like Japan. Geography. Like, like mm-hmm. literally uh, Japan to, it's like a complete, it's like a straight shot. Like he doesn't even have to fly. Like if it was from Russia over to over to California, you know, he'd have to fly southeast from Russia. But because yeah. it's from Japan, it's literally a straight shot either going going from Japan to California going east or from California to Japan going west. It's literally a straight shot, which means less airtime uh for him to I travel. remember when uh mm-hmm. Matsui re- reloaded yeah. and, and wound up uh, in Anaheim, again, West Coast, easier flight. And uh, remember Ichiro, Seattle. So the Pacific Northwest is, is easier. That whole, you know, that whole window of the, the that whole area of the country. It's just it's just quicker to get back and forth to Japan in that area of the world. 
that are traveling all out right. east where you just fly over the, the whole country almost, you know, to go uh, go over to the east coast. It's a lot quicker for those Pretty guys. much, yeah. Yeah, west. Yeah. Now, Talks for the east know, coast. I, but no, 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 Johnny. You know, this this raises a question. Should should a signing like this, and by the way, the rumor is the Dodgers are also still in on Yamamoto as well. And Yamamoto, oh with this contract, with this contract that Otani is is getting, Yamamoto's price is only going to go up. So <laughs> he was already looking at yeah. at least two hundred million for his deal. <laughs> now he's probably going to be getting three hundred, maybe three fifty, depending on how much a team is willing to go. Wow. And what about it sounds pitching. like with now this... they're like, oh man, if they get both, that's just wow. That's a billion dollars of contracts in two people, one billion. <laughs> Possibly, yes. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, and, and you know, another thing too is, you kind of have to wonder with the signing of Otani. Does that make L.A. – that could make L.A. potentially more, uh, you know, more appeasing or more appealing to Yamamoto because of the fact that he would rejoin his uh, his World Baseball Classic teammate, uh, Shohei Otani, in L.A. And the one thing that Yamamoto really values is being able to play with – other Japanese players. I mean, he wouldn't be against, he wouldn't be against playing on a team with no Japanese players, but uh, it kind of, it kind of uh, is a bit of a benefit for teams that already have some Japanese players on their team. Uh, It makes it more appealing to Yamamoto. And honestly, you know, I'll, I'll say this right now. Uh, if LA gets Yamamoto, I, I already said it when they got Otani, but if they get Yamamoto, you can pretty much cancel the next couple of seasons. Yeah, yes. You can cancel on, the man. next couple of seasons and just give just yeah, give the World no, Series no title the next couple of years to the Dodgers. Like when the Lakers got Kerry Payton and Carl Malone and barely made the playoffs. Let's not get ahead of our it doesn't guarantee a championship to anyone. There's a lot of good teams in MLB. Come on. Uh, is the Yamamoto going to pitch every day? Again, they have no, a lot, a lot of pitching needs. In- Two players don't make it. Right. No one's guaranteed a title, man. I mean, especially MLB. It's not like four or five guys. It's not five guys on a basketball court. It takes a lot of arms to win in those tight playoff races. I'm just saying. So if they get Yamamoto, yeah, dude, they're definitely the favorite. But, I mean... Well, I mean, they haven't made noise right now based off of betting odds. With Otani, yeah. I just, yeah. I'm not going to say they're going to win three or four titles in a row with with their pitching staff, unless they had a couple more arms. Yeah, I know they're already, I know they're scouring the free agent market for, uh, as far as I'm aware, I'm pretty sure they are in on pretty much every single major pitching arm. Uh, on this market, that's what's 
that's the one, the biggest, my biggest gripe in MLB compared to their sports with a controlled salary cap is like the Brewers, obviously the Rays. There's so many, there's several teams that can't even, even wish or imagine getting that Otani. So it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. The talent disparity, like between the top couple teams now, if, if they, if they get Otani and Yamamoto, I mean, and another arm, I mean, come on. <laughs> You're right. It's not, you might as well cancel this next year. I mean, I, I don't know. You guys think they'll ever get a salary cap in MLB or not? So one you know, that's a, that's a question I was about to bring up, uh, Alex. That's a question okay. I was about to bring up. Should Major League Baseball install a salary cap? And, Steve, I wasn't hating. I'm just like, I hate even imagining that they can just win the next three or four just because of their money. It just, yeah. it just makes my blood boil because it's just unfair to the rest of the MLB landscape. It's like, oh, just buy everything. Yeah, I, I think definitely they should, for the sake of, uh, I guess, like the authenticity, the, 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 the le- to level the playing field so that the, the fans in Milwaukee can dream of a championship and not have, you know, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff leave. Like right now, the, like, they're, like the two aces are leaving. Um, the Miami Marlins could actually be good again or relevant again. I don't know. I, 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 I would hope it could happen, but – yeah. Do you guys think it can be it can be done? Because I mean the the NBA and the NBA and and hockey and NFL did it. Why not MLB? Why can't they do it? I think it'd be great for the sport if they did. It would, yeah. Man, if it had salary cap, work work big. Let's say. Well, I don't know exactly what the cap what the cap limit would have to be at because you have to you have to keep in mind you have to have. Uh, you have to have enough money to support a 40-man roster. Okay. Um, not to mention, depending on how much money those people are going to be making. But I think I think it comes to the point of where you can't be like the Dodgers, where you give like astronomical numbers to different players, and you have all those players on that. Like, I mean, you you just you just take a look at some of the players they have right now. They have Mookie Betts on their on their team with a a three hundred and sixty five million dollar contract for twelve years. So he's making yeah. which is half of Otani. Give me two Mookie yeah. Betts any day of the week over Otani. Give me two of him instead of one Otani. Do you think they should play every player pay every player the same amount? No. No. I no, mean, no. unless unless they're like unless they're like on a veteran minimum contract, I mean that's a different story. Unless they're on a veteran <laughs> minimum contract like the NBA does. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I mean, you have you have Freddie Freeman who's making twenty seven mil per year. You have Mookie Betts who's making thirty mil per year. Now you have Otani who's going to be making seventy million per year. I mean, it's. It's basically like, oh, if your owner has enough money to spend, you can basically write out a blank check to any single player. And I will will defend L.A. with this, though. In that market, with Otani coming in, they will immediately make back that $700 million that they're giving him. Yeah. I mean the tour just just the amount of eyes that are gonna be on that team now 
uh, not just in the States, but also from overseas over in Japan, all the money that's going to be spilling into that organization uh, with Otani. Not just that, but also if they somehow land Yamamoto as well. I mean, we saw what happened when the Red Sox got Daisuke Matsuzaka. They saw a huge influx of of income coming in from, from Japan. If they if they get Otani and Yamamoto, Otani the money is going to be big enough. But Yamamoto, I mean, my God, they 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 will very easily make back the amount of money that they're going to be investing in those two players alone, and then some. And meanwhile, the Royals and countless other teams just don't even have a don't even have a prayer pretty much like no to not even be able to have a conversation about adding someone like that and the rich get richer that's the that's the greatest deserve that's the greatest strategy i think right now in mlb it's just you know there's there's certain teams who just cannot compete right away the other major sports everyone's got a pretty much you know at least a viable chance when the first you know whistle the first game commences mlb there's certain teams you just know aren't going to win at all Right. I mean, that's that's just the thing. I, I just – I don't know if the owners would have to vote on that. How does that – does anyone know how the other salary caps got put in? Like in the NFL or uh, – NHL didn't use – NHL it hasn't been there that long, right, the salary cap. It right. hasn't always – No. Yeah, like not as long as NBA. Correct. I'm not sure. Um, it's just – I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of how they – I would assume that the owners – that it, it, it probably does have to go through an owner vote, I would assume. Either that or unless the league uh, – you know, I, I honestly, I don't really know how that uh, – because I know for NHL – for the NHL, they don't have a say in terms of whether the salary cap raises or if it lowers. So, because I know there's a lot of owners that are hoping uh, that, you know, a lot of their planned um, off-season moves, a lot of their planned off-season moves have a lot to do with whether or not the salary cap rises or falls. Yeah, good point. So, you know, that's a good that's a good question. I would have to look that up actually um, when I get the chance. But I do think that it, it may be coming to because you just know that the prices are just going to get even more ridiculous. As the years go on here. Yeah. Now, like, think about a guy like Soto, who's just an incredible player. He just wound up in New York at next, this time next year, pretty much a year from now, right now. He's going to be – the Yankees and other teams will be negotiating with him. So he's going to be like, well, Judge made that. Otani made, what, almost twice that. So he's going to ask for, what, <laughs> 500 million, 450, 580? Like, this is just insane numbers. Right. I mean, the big difference here with Otani, though, is that obviously he's just going to be a designated hitter this upcoming season, but everybody is 
is basically paying for the fact that he's a two-way hitter or that he's a two-way right. player. Gotcha. He's, uh, you know, he's both a hitter as well as a pitcher. So, um, I mean, a lot of people are looking at, okay, what does he do, you know, what does he do hitting-wise and what does he do pitching-wise? And that I believe that that's why he got such a massive deal like he got. I mean, come on, the dude's a three-time All-Star, a two-time MVP, uh, you know, a, I mean, he, he's a former rookie of the year. He led the league. Uh, he led the American League in home runs this year. You know, I mean, there's just so much stuff that he's done in such a short time that he's been in the league that it's, you know, he's a, a lot of people are saying, even though it's kind of funny considering he hasn't won a World Series yet, but a lot of people are saying he's actually – he actually uh, is a bigger star than Babe Ruth ever was. And it's yeah. asinine to think that way, but that's what a lot of people are saying right now. I think social media is really blowing that up. I mean, yeah, he's been on some, he's also been on a lot of 500 teams, so. He's got a way right. to go before he catches up to Babe Ruth. But obviously, now yeah. he's in the right spot to win a lot. Now he's in the right the right team. We'll see. Now, as far as yeah, you're, as that's far a good as point Yamamoto too. Like the salary's a lot more. Yeah, go for it, Peter. Well, I, I was just gonna say, as far as Yamamoto goes, according to John Heyman of MLB.com or of uh, MLB Network. It looks like uh, the Dodgers are still interested in and can still afford Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, The three perceived favorites are the Mets, the Yankees, and the Dodgers for Yamamoto. Mm -hmm. And the Mets, I mean, it makes sense for the Mets because Steve Cohen literally went over to Japan and met with with him and his family. So... He'll give, uh, he'll give him a ton. I believe. And Oscar, we, we already know they, they lost, obviously. It's show, he's shown he'll pay too much money for, like, kind of older, much older guys like Scherzer and Verlander, who didn't pan out. But right. now this guy's, what, 25 years old? He's going to pay a ton more for him. Doesn't want to miss out. Now the Yankees, they're always their bigger brother that they, they try to compete with in New York City. They just got Soto. Otani's not coming. So now it's like, you know, you know what I mean? I think the message is going to, with just a ridiculous number. I think they'll offer him yeah. a good amount more, unless the Dodgers, unless they're just printing money using fake bills. Up. I mean, you know what I mean? I think this is like the Mets' one chance to really land a huge star. Yanks already got started. Yeah, Yanks and, won it does, too, and it does help, know. too, that they have Kodai Senga. It helps that they have Kodai Senga, his former teammate. And I know they, I know they, they were trash last year. I know that, but yeah, Sanga really helps, and like their owner is going to be, just he's going to just throw the whole bank at him. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see if they can get. Him. I mean, just I looking, be, I'd still be surprised <laughs> if they got him. And, ju- ju- and just looking at Yamamoto, I know, I know a lot of people will say, well, why does this guy warrant such a huge contract coming over from? Japan when he hasn't played at all professionally in the States. People have to remember 
it's a completely different style of play over in Japan. It is. That's the thing. I've been trying to for years. You know, you're not used to our style of playing, so we don't know what to expect. But at the same time, this is a guy who pitched to many major league talents in the WBC, and he and blew young. them away with ease. And he's young. That's a big thing. And it's like, you know, Lou made a great point. He's, you know, it's the unknown. You know, he hasn't done it over here yet in these diamonds on this, on this dirt, you know, in, this, in these stadiums. But he's also 25 years old, too. Got to start somewhere. It's not like you can't really use that against him. He's not guaranteed to be a superstar. But, yeah, like Steve said, he blew people away on that stage. He's 25 years old. I mean, I just remember Ichiro. He came over when he was, like, early 30s. Or, no, maybe yeah. late, late 20s. But, you know, same, uh, and there's been some busts. I know the Mets have had a, the Mets have had a couple of the busts. Yanks had Arabu, Mets had Kaz, Kaz Matsui. So who was that? Yeah, the shortstop who was just awful. So th- there's there's a there's a risk that that some of these guys will be a bust. But from all indications, this guy's just like a total superstar, and he's only 25 years old. So I mean, you, yeah. can, you can get this guy for 10, 10 years, eight, nine, 10, 12 years potentially being these. Yeah, matter of fact, let me see if I can find. Uh, hopefully, I can find some of his um, some of his stat lines from uh, this year. But from from what I recall, he was practically lights out for Japan in the World Baseball Classic this year, and just based off of his off of his stats over in Japan. Which, by the way, he's thrown two no hitters over the last two years. Uh, yeah. A seventy and twenty nine record with a one point eight two ERA, and keep in mind these are all starts. Right. Uh, a one point eight two a one point eight two ERA and nine hundred and twenty two strikeouts. From 2017 to, to to now, and just to now, obviously, like I said, Japan is a completely different style. Uh, you know, a completely different style of play, a completely different pace of play. But let me just bring up a couple of a couple of awards here. He won the Japan Series, which is basically their equivalent to the World Series. He won the yes. Japan Series last year. Uh, he's a five-time All-Star, a three-time winner of the Triple Crown in Japan, which basically is obviously the same thing as the Triple Crown over here. Uh, right. But the difference is he wasn't batting. He was pitching. So he led okay. in three different categories of pitching for three straight years from 2021 to 2023. Uh, he was a three-time MVP the last three years. Uh, he's also a three-time E.G. Sawamura uh, Award winner, which is basically uh, it's given to the best Japanese pitcher each year uh, for the last three years. And also, um, he's a three-time winner of the Best Nine Award over in Japan, which basically that's given to the best player at each position 
in both of the leagues over in Japan. Uh, He's also a three-time Golden Glove Award winner uh, from the last three years. Uh, A three-time winner of the Best Battery Award, which is given to the Best Pitcher-Catcher Tandem uh, of the last three years. It just goes on. It it goes on from there. Uh, He's led the league in ERA the last three years. Uh, He's led the league in strikeouts the last four years. And he's led the league in wins the last three years along with uh, being the MVP for interleague play back in 2021. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's probably more stats that I can list here. Oh, and also he's a three-time gold, uh, a three-time gold medalist too. Uh, In the summer Olympics in 2020, uh, the world baseball classic and uh, the uh, world baseball softball confederation back in 2019. Needless to say, he probably has one of the biggest resumes of any Japanese pitcher or player to ever come over to the States. So that's why. Yeah, that's why he's looking at such a massive contract. And Ichiro, too. I mean, it's. Well, you know, the Yanks want him with Cole and him. That would be lethal. Yes. They had that history, too. Obviously, Matsui was an awesome player. Godzilla. Um, I know there's a couple other good ones that that are named Tanaka. Tanaka, Tanaka. yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, dude. I've read, I've heard, you know, not like recently, but I've read that there was, he had a real, like, that's like one of his idols, Tanaka. So we'll see. More championships than the Mets. Rumor has it. More more glory than the Mets. Rumor has it, by the way. Um, uh, apparently rumor has it that Hideki Matsui and Masahiro Tanaka will be at the Yankees meeting with him on Monday. All right, see. Looking to close it out, essentially. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get an announcement on Monday that the New York Yankees yeah. have, come to, uh, have come to terms with, uh, with Yamamoto. Cashman was under a lot of fire, so he's gone crazy with the bank account again. <laughs> They've really gone back to the, kind of those old days, those old ways. Soto, and so now it wouldn't surprise me if Yamamoto joins him in the Bronx. What do you think? Is, is well, the favorite? Has, Does anyone know who the favorite is right now? Is, is it? Uh, it just says, from John Heyman. From John Heyman, it says the three perceived favorites are the Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers. And he lists them in order, one, two, three. Mets, Yankees, Dodgers. So I guess that's the perception currently around the league in terms of who is considered to be the favorite for his services. It wouldn't surprise me, though, especially with Tanaka being one of his idols. It wouldn't surprise me at all if, if all of a sudden, uh, right after that meeting, we get a uh, notification that Yamamoto has agreed to terms. Going to be big. We'll see. But it's 
Yeah, it, it, it's seriously they going back to the salary cap uh, issue. I do think that it's going to come time to when we need a sal- like, like for example, let's say let's say a Saudi uh, a, a, let's say Saudi Arabia buys one of these teams. That basically means that they could literally they, just, they could literally sign every huge player to hit the free agent market every year. Oh God, please no. Yeah, that would be that would just blow up the, the that would just throw a huge wrench in the whole league. Yeah, they got to get yeah. the spending under control. I know Otani's worth it. Steve, you made a great point about he's a dual threat, he's a dual position player. So it's almost you could almost the Dodgers can almost say, you know what, we're paying for half the pitcher and half the hitter. Yeah, but like this right. is just—it's just gonna keep going through the roof. And now thinking about yeah. the Aaron Judge's play, like, well, I'm just as good a hitter as him. So it's like it's just gonna cause so many people to want so much money. I, I don't know. This is just—that's the biggest contract by far, I believe, in any sport. I know it's definitely the biggest pro contract ever. I didn't know. I thought it was thinking maybe the biggest. I, the number I got kept hearing—I don't know about you guys—but it was like four or five. Five hundred million, and now seven hundred million. I mean, geez. Yeah, it eclipses. It it eclipses. Uh, it eclipses the record by almost three hundred million dollars. Oh, gosh. Wow. Yeah. Crazy times we're living in. That's. That's literally, and and, and you know, it's not just it's not just that, but also. Uh, it's it's not just that, but also it's throughout all of sports, not just Major League Baseball. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point. Um, yeah, going my dad back years though, ago. Uh, to the, when when Brady first hit, that was when that was the start of all this. Sorry, Steve. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, I remember growing up, my dad when that, when and when free agent used to be hit when I was not like a kid anymore. But my dad was kind of just like, oh, the, the big market teams are gonna swoop up all these players. But I was a big Cardinals fan, but he was more, you know, Midwest. He was from the Midwest, but you know, obviously not the big L.A. or New York markets. And sure enough, like a lot of the teams are sweeping in. You know, the big the big name players are just like naming their price and going to a lot of the bigger markets. So it's like I think free agency really impacted it and, and made it kind of started this trend where the really great players can just name whatever money they want. And then the next year, two other guys that are just good as them are going to demand more and more. And then every, it just keeps snowballing, bigger and bigger money. Right. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, – because he's clearly the biggest, dom- the biggest domino in this free agent class – I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing names start to fly off the board now once his yeah, once his yeah. deal becomes finalized. Because yeah, I, right. I know for sure I know for sure the starting uh the starting pitching market has been frozen basically uh since this. Like the only pitcher to have signed uh, has been Eduardo Rodriguez, who signed a four-year, I think it was like $80 million deal with the Diamondbacks yeah. uh, throughout, uh, throughout all this. But, um, yeah, the, the free agent pitching market has basically been frozen 
waiting to see what Otani is going to do first because his contract is basically yeah. going to set the market, essentially. Yeah. Um, but going back, though, to the uh, – we were talking about the Yankees earlier, the Juan Soto trade. I got to tell you, they got – San Diego got quite the haul for Juan mm-hmm. Soto. Michael King, Johnny Brito, uh, Drew Thorpe, who is the 99th overall prospect in all of Major League Baseball, uh, uh, right-handed pitching prospect Randy Vasquez, who was the, the 13th uh, prospect on the Yankees organization, uh, and catcher Kyle Higashioka. Um, that is probably, I feel at least, the best package that they could have potentially gotten for Soto. Because King's good. Correct, um, correct me if Thorpe's good. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't man, Michael I've... King? Wasn't Michael King already in the bullpen? I think. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's a good package. I mean, I would have offered to I mean, try to get Dominguez, try to get one of the real good Austin Wells, the catcher. Good package overall, and they need help everywhere. So yeah, it was. I think it was a good a good haul for them. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, obviously they could have tried to get Dominguez, but there's no, there's no way in hell that the Yankees are surrendering Dominguez. And also, Dominguez, I believe, is starting off on the injured list too, uh, potentially next season. So I don't know. The Padres were rushed making the move because they they're bleeding money. I, they took up some big loan and they're screwed financially. So the Padres are just like, I guess the Yankees were just in the right spot at the right time. He wanted to go to New York and. They're really the only team. I don't know for whatever reason. There weren't a lot of other teams, I guess, in on her because it was a quick deal. I see. Do you think that's a really good haul? It's a lot of good, like good players. Don't, I, I agree there. I, I felt so. I mean, Soto's a top five player. I was expecting like a, maybe an all star back. Yeah, I mean, King King had a two point seven five ERA in forty nine appearances out of the bullpen for the Yankees uh, this good. year. That was good. Would they? Uh, and he also had a 1.88 ERA in eight games that he started uh, this season for the Yankees as well. Um, I mean, Higashioka, I almost feel like was more of a uh, probably because probably because uh, the Yankees also got Trent Grisham in the deal from oh, uh, right. from San Diego. Uh, I almost feel like Higashioka was because, oh, the Padres need an extra catcher. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the fact that the Yankees were able to put in Drew Thorpe and they also gave up Randy Vasquez without having to give up Jason Dominguez. uh, And actually, let me see, what did Johnny Brito do this year? Brito, I believe, was part of the Yankees' pen as well. Yeah. Uh, Lewis, he Brito, had, you like Brito actually, a lot? No, he had Lewis? a nine and seven record. He was a starter. Lou, what do you think? So, you a huge Jack fan. You like that? You like? You, you did, did they give up too much, or was it a nice deal? You think? I think they maybe give a little too much. 
Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they really gave up too much because, you know, I would say if they had to give up, like, say if they had to give up Michael King and then they had to they had to throw in Jason Dominguez instead of Johnny Brito, then yeah, I would say mm. that was probably too much. But, uh, you know, to throw in somebody like Johnny Brito uh, <laughs> with a nine and seven a nine and seven record this year as a starter, uh, he also had a four point two eight ERA uh, in his first year in the majors. Uh, twenty twenty five games that he pitched. Um, plus, you have one of your top one of your top prospects. Uh, your number 13th overall prospect, a backup catcher, and probably your best bullpen arm besides your closer. I mean, that's honestly a pretty good package to begin with. Yeah, and plus, this is coming off of a down... Yeah, and this is coming off of a down year as well for Soto, too. I mean, it's hard to imagine that considering he had 35 homers this year uh, as well as 109 RBIs. But this is actually considered a down year for Soto considering he batted 275. I just know he and Judge, that's going to be lethal. Oh, yeah, definitely. Top top career hitter hitter in the world. Man. Not just him, but also the Yankees uh, were not done with uh, as the previous deal that they had made uh, when hell officially froze over, uh, sending pitchers uh, Greg Weiser, Dick Fitz, well, his name is Richard, but we call him Dick, uh, (laughs) Dick Fitz and Nicholas Judas, and Nicholas Judas, who they just drafted this year, over to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for outfielder Alex Verdugo, who, by the way, was a uh, was a Gold Glove nominee uh, for the outfield this year. Um, so the Yankees decided to grab Verdugo after he hit 264 this year with 13 homers and 54 RBIs. Uh, but I think they got him more for his defense as opposed to uh, his production. And, I mean, I just I – got, I got to tell you right now, um, I would assume that Verdugo is probably going to guard left field unless they're going to keep him in right. I would assume he's probably going to mm. go left and Soto will go right. Uh but just from what just from what I had seen out of Verdugo this year, he's definitely a defensive upgrade for the Yankees out in the outfield. And now, obviously, the big concern about this is now this moves Judge over to center field, which, you know, a lot of people would have preferred that he had stayed where he was, but... Uh, this now moves Judge over to center, and I believe this means that Stanton is now the permanent DH, I think, for the Yankees. Can't do anything else. Just saddled with his contract. 
You can't feel it. There's no way. Guy gets injured, but no. he's out. No. But uh, the thing I the thing I get out of this is that uh, I think this is actually a pretty good haul for the Boston Red Sox as a part of this deal. Uh, Weiser has gone back and forth between the Yankees bullpen and AAA Scranton Wilkesbury the past two seasons. Uh, but I mean, he's I would consider him to be an upgrade over some of the arms that Boston has in their bullpen right now. Uh, Judas, they just drafted in the eighth round this year out of the University of Louisiana. Um, I mean, he's probably a uh, a work in progress. Uh, you know, not expected to make the majors anytime soon. Uh, Dick Fitz, though, uh, a 3.48 ERA this year uh, for double for double A Somerset and. I believe he was ranked number 12, I think, in the Yankees yeah. organization or something like that. He's now ranked number 10 in the Boston organization yeah. to start the year. So I kind of feel that this was actually a pretty good acquisition for uh, for first-time president of baseball operations, uh, Craig Breslow. Uh, especially, especially when you consider the fact that Verdugo was on the outs with Sox management, to, with Sox management to begin with, anyways. After uh, the problems he had last season, uh, the one thing I'm looking forward to is seeing Verdugo being forced to basically look like an alien, having to cut that beard to play for the Yankees, though. Sorry. <laughs> funky dude to look at. Yeah, he's going to be really interesting sight to behold. He better set his alarm clock early, though. He kept showing up late. He had to show up on time. He was done in five. And they got good arms for him. They got got good arms for him. Uh, You know, Yankees kind of win, and and I think the Red Sox definitely have They got a good move out of him, too. They got a good haul for him. So, you know, like, Raphael, you know the Boston roster so well, Steve. They have really good young outfielders. Verdugo was He's not a fit anymore. Yeah. And also, uh, Boston wasn't done, though, because Boston then went out and acquired outfielder Tyler O'Neill from the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for right-handed pitcher Nick Robertson and right-handed pitcher Victor Santos. And I'll tell you right now, Tyler O'Neill, he's basically Alex Verdugo, but with better but but a better defender he's a two-time gold glover uh two years ago he hit 34 homers for the cardinals uh but injuries have basically plagued him the last two seasons uh and based off of his hit spread that i saw from this past year he is going to absolutely murder the green monster this year yeah Based off of some of those balls that that he hit uh, this year that were considered to be outs in other ballparks, they're either home runs or they are doubles off of the monster on the uh, in in Fenway Park. Yeah, he's got so, power. Yeah, 
He's got he's got gargantuan power, and I mean, yeah, he had nine homers this year, but keep in mind, you know, injury. You know, this isn't like when the Red Sox went out and got Luis Urias. This is not right. a Luis Urias type of trade. You know, at, at least at least O'Neill hits above two hundred. I believe he hit like two point three four, I think, or or, or uh, two thirty four this year. Uh, despite his injuries, he had like nine homers and whatnot. Uh, I forget exactly how many RBIs, but if he is fully healthy, he could potentially get back to that 34 home run type of numbers that that we saw two years ago for the Cardinals. Or no, maybe it was three years ago. I forget because one year he had two years because this year he had nine home runs. The season before he had 14, and then the season before that he had 34. So, assuming he can get back to the type of uh, the type of player he was a couple of years ago, uh, he's definitely. Uh, and I'll just say this right now: this I I believe this is a, a flat out steal by Boston, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Boston homer. I look at the type of player they're getting a two a two time reigning Gold Glove award winner. He's won the Gold Glove the last two years out of the outfield uh, for the National League. And you take a look at who they gave up. They gave up Nick Robertson, who got absolutely shelled after coming over from the Dodgers in the Kike Hernandez yeah. trade. And he ended up splitting time between. Uh, between AAA Worcester and also Boston. And then you have Victor Santos, who, I mean, he's 23. He spent time between Portland and Worcester. And honestly, just based off of what, uh, based off of where he was in the depth chart for Boston, he just was not going to see any sort of time uh, whatsoever up in the majors. So essentially, this is St. Louis basically saying, "Look, dude, just guys, just take just take yeah. the contract off of our hands, please." That's us all a favor. That's that's basically all this was essentially for St. Louis. Um, but for Boston, if he can stay healthy, uh, he's basically the replacement for Adam Duvall because I don't see I don't see them. Uh, hanging on to Duval uh, after the numbers he put up after returning from injury. But first, let's go back. To, let's go back over to the Yankees, though. Uh, Lou, what are your thoughts on not just the Yankees' acquisition of Soto, but also the Yankees' acquisition of Alex Verdugo this week? You know, I think we're going to need that. You know, with our with our hitters, you know, we were really lacking. You know, outfielders and. And I want it this year, thanks to Judge's injury. So it's, I think it's just what we need. I think it's going to help us in the long run for uh, in the coming year. So it was a good move. And you know, I think that, I think this kind of spells out that uh, they probably felt that after acquire, if they were going to acquire Soto, that they wouldn't be able to have enough money to acquire, especially if they're going to try and, and get Yamamoto. They probably felt yeah. that they wouldn't have the money to go out and sign somebody like a Cody Bellinger, which was one of their rumored targets. So, 
the fact that they can get Verdugo, who is granted he's on a contract year this year, but they can get Verdugo at a low price. And honestly, you know, I I still feel I, I feel that this is actually a pretty sizable return that they gave yes. to Boston for him. So uh, I think the Yankees are trying to prove a point this year, which is that Absolutely. they want to get back to the playoff. They want to get back to the playoffs. They want to get back to contending for a World Series. Yeah, the GM's on the hot seat, and the, the owner, the, the, the you know, George Steinbrenner's son is getting really criticized. They're really coming up blank lately, and, you know, it's like the pressure's on the back, back on more than ever in the Bronx, and they're really making moves. It's a huge year for the Yankees. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you right this now, if they get down. Yamamoto, if, a lot if of they get there, Yamamoto, they really up. It's, uh, yeah, that's, it's really going to uh, – it, it's really going to do a lot for them if they can get Yamamoto as well. That's going to be fascinating. We'll see where he goes. Yeah. He's got both games. We'll see. Or, yeah, if the Dodgers land up, come on. <laughs> Let someone else uh, share the wealth a little bit. But uh, one of the other moves that was made, and honestly, this is a bit of a head-scratcher, I kind of feel. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles, they signed right-handed pitcher Craig Kimbrell to a one-year $12 million deal with a $13 million club option for 2025. Uh, the deal also includes a $1 million buyout. Uh, 35 years old, he struggled mightily in the postseason this year, but he was considered to he he was considered to be a rock solid uh, player out of their bullpen though, finishing with 23 mm-hmm. saves with a 3.26 ERA this year across 69 innings. Uh, for I guess this is a result of the Orioles losing their closer for the year due to surgery. So they had to sign another closer. But, I mean, 35 years old, everybody – the thing with Kimbrell is everybody knows his – you know, everybody knows his, his, uh, his profile, basically. Everybody knows to look for the fastball because that's pretty much all that he throws. So, I mean, I I think it's just kind of – it's kind of head He's bouncing around a lot, too. I feel. He's been bouncing around a lot, one-year deals for a reason. So. Yeah. He's getting yeah. tossed around like a rag doll. Yeah, it's right. weird. Baltimore really doesn't want to spend money. So – yeah, it's a bit of a head scratcher, right? But at the same time, I mean, it's it's a one year deal, but there is a, there is an option for to make it two years. I uh, I guess the whole thing I'm looking at is you look at his age, and just the fact that you know for when he had gone over to a league that was considered to be a pitcher-friendly league, and he seemed to struggle out of the bullpen for the most part for the Phillies, 
I mean, it's, I guess it's just a case of the fact that Baltimore, you know, doesn't really have any other options when it comes to looking at potential closers. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Head scratcher. Oh, this is interesting, actually. Uh, You know, we want to talk about unproven players. How about this one? The Milwaukee Brewers have agreed to an eight-year, $82 million deal with their prospect outfielder, Jackson Chorio. What? The, The deal also includes two club options and escalators that can take the contract's total value up to 142.5 mil. Not even worth it. And when he put when he officially signs it, it will obliterate the record for a for a contract with a minor leaguer who has yet to play a game in the majors. After Luis Robert Jr. got a 50 million dollar deal with the White Sox before the 2020 season. Now, Churio spent Churio spent most of the season in Double A, where he batted 280 with 22 homers and 43 steals over 122 games. Uh, he will turn 20 years old in March, and basically, from the sounds of it, he will break camp with the big league club and could be a potential top pick for Rookie of the Year in the National League, that, which that would then give the Brewers an extra draft pick in 2025. They can't. They can't afford to get the guys like Soto or Judge or Otani. So I think it's smart for them. That's like the most they can spend on a big contract. This guy's apparently going to be awesome. So sign him now, or wait a couple of years before he can go to a bigger market when he wants three hundred million, four hundred million. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like the biggest, but the big yeah, contract so for them. This so is the stuff mm-hmm. they can do. This is a guy who is unproven, though. This is a guy who is unproven at the major league level. They know him well. I, I mean, mean, he's only seen the, time the, at Double A. The Rays didn't the Rays do that with Juan Franco? They didn't know he was going to be a total menace off the, off the field. But yeah, I mean, Acuna got signed really early for a lot for a lot a lot of, a lot of years for a low rate. So it's like a calculated risk because they can't afford. If they wait and he starts proving it, then he gets priced out of their market. He, he's going to be too expensive for them. True. That's true. So it's really you know, like that, a, that is yeah, it's like a unique approach. That, it's, yeah, it's that is something to market, take into you know account. Mean? Right, that is something to take into they, account know. that uh, that you know he could he could end up being one of those type of players that if he does explode when he gets to the majors, uh, that you know he could end up becoming such a big star that he would be priced out of Minnesota or of uh, Milwaukee's range. Yeah, you, yeah, but you know right. what this yeah, reminds right. me of? He hasn't proven it yet, yeah. but it's like it's, – it's different because, like, I don't know, hockey's like that too, but, like, NFL, you don't have a minor league. But the Brewers, I think they've had them in their system for, like, three years now. Do so you know you know they know plenty about them? And if they think he's going to be awesome, sign him now while you can. Lock him up. If the guy busts, I'm going to be this... awful. But they, they, they know how good he's going to be, I think. They have a good, pretty good understanding. You know what this reminds me of, though? This reminds me of the contract that the Red Sox gave Ruzne Castillo coming over from the Dominican League. 
when Ruzne Castillo, uh, you know, he was considered to be the top Dominican prospect coming from the Dominican League or the Cuban League or something like that. They signed him to a seventy to a six year seventy two and a half million dollar contract. Uh, he hadn't even played in the majors. Uh, he comes into the majors, plays maybe the first season where he played in a total of ten games, batting three thirty three with two homers and six RBIs. He then got called. He started the next season in AAA, got called up to Boston, appeared in 80 games, batting 253 with five homers and 29 RBIs. And then after that, he got buried in the minors for the rest of his career. Mm. Yeah, but, I mean, Brewers had this guy in the system for three or four years now. Castillo was kind of, you know what I mean? I don't think he was in Boston system. They just signed him and then he, like, arrived. So I mean, Brewers, you know, they've they've had this guy for a while. They, they, he's more of a proven commodity, even though he hasn't done it at the majors yet. Apparently, I mean, apparently this guy's going to be awesome. But yeah, I mean, it's still it's a risk. I just if this guy blows up and wins Rookie of the Year, you know, his agents already be like, all right, where are we going in a couple of years? <laughs> he's he's for now Milwaukee's like we got to lock this guy up while we can. But, I mean, if he busts, yeah, it's a terrible contract. That Castillo, I forgot about him. That was one of the worst contracts, man. One of the worst internet. Did he ever play anything in Boston? Did he? he just couldn't get out. Right? The, most, the most he played in a single season was his second season as a professional where he played 80 games in Boston and then spent the rest of the time in the minors for the rest of his career. Oh, God. Who was the other guy? That I mean, it wasn't even did that again. It wasn't Dude. even the end of the second season. It wasn't even the end of the second season, and they placed him on waivers. Wow, that's... out of a five-year deal. Or no? Yeah, I mean, no, I agree with you guys. It's risky. He could still. This guy Chira could still bust. Still be a bust. But yeah, I mean, yeah, it's the great unknown until they get to the majors. Totally different. If you guys were smaller I mean, market, would you try at, to do that? Kind of, would you guys try to sign like a big prospect like that if you were a small market team like the Brewers? I mean, I think they're just trying to save some money long term. It's just riskier. I mean, I, I don't know what what are your th- what are your thoughts first on that uh, on that Lou? If you were a small market team, would you uh, try to invest in one of your prospects like that? Well. A smaller team, to, you know, to get, um, you know, to make some uh, notice. Uh, you know, I think I would. You know, like, you know, because you know, what happened with Milwaukee, it happens with San Diego, and you know, sometimes it it turns out well. I mean, San Diego be made the World Series a few times, so uh, yeah, I do it. Camp, that's what Tampa did. Now let's see. Before he got in that trouble, they signed him when he was like, he played like a month in the majors. And Tampa gave him like a ten-year deal for like 120 million, crazy money. But imagine if that guy hadn't been a maniac, you know, if he gets found guilty, whatever, screw him. But their thinking was, we can lock this guy up long term because there's no way in hell we can afford him in a couple of years. So let's give him more money than he could ever imagine while he's really young, before he is he and his agent in a couple of years grow up and they're like, dude, we can get crazy money in L.A. or in New York. 
That's it's kind of like what Juan right. Franco what the Rays did. The Rays never spend money. They gave they gave Franco like a eight or nine year deal for like two hundred million a couple of years. Like right, I think he was like before he came up or like the first month he was in the majors, something crazy like that. It's kind of similar to that. Otherwise, these teams just won't have these guys long term. Yeah. Now he did sp- he did split time between Double A and Triple A. He's uh. 122 games in AA this year. He only had six games in AAA. Uh, AAA stats, in all honesty, uh, I mean, a 333 average, but only had two RBIs, didn't have any homers. Uh, I think it's probably because he got called up for maybe like the last couple of games in AAA. Uh, but otherwise, in AA this year, 22 homers, 89 RBIs. He batted 280 in double A. Uh, he had 43 stolen bases. And then you look at last year, uh, last year he had, or the year before, I should say, he mainly spent time in single A, uh, and high single A. And then he had six games in double A where he had four RBIs and batted 087. Uh, but that was in 2022. But 2023, you know, he saw a massive increase in his numbers. So maybe they must feel very confident that if they're going to give him that type of contract, uh, that he's probably going to break it out of camp because of the fact that in his first full Major or in his first full double uh, A season, you know he's posting up big numbers. Yeah, and plus he's for a only nineteen years, years old too. Yeah, I mean, I think this guy that, that suggests they know a lot about him, and they're like, dude, this guy's going to be our star. So right, risky move, but uh, now the big he could be an awesome player. You know, the big difference. The big difference, though, with uh, with rookies, I mean, you look at, like, say, Boston. They brought over Masataka Yoshida from, uh, oh, from yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's worth noting, he came over at the age of 29. So, obviously, he had been playing in Japan for quite a while. Uh, comes over at the age of 29. You know, he has a 289 average this year, 15 homers, 72 RBIs. I mean, it's different when you when you invest a lot of money in a player like that as opposed to okay, you invest money in a uh in a prospect, but you don't really have much to go off of uh apart from you know, he's He's the number two rated prospect in all of Major League Baseball right now. Wow. Mm. Uh, the only person he's behind is Jackson Holiday, who honestly looks like really? he could potentially make his debut for the Orioles at any point this upcoming season. Yeah, I mean, number two prospect. So, if I'm a small market team, yeah. I'm locking that guy's ass up for 10 years. That's, I mean, the Brewers... I think it's a smart move. The numbers are right. But this guy's like, they, they, they've known him for three or four years. So, you know, it's not like they just got him overseas or, you know what I mean? It's like they, they, they already know this guy's going to be just maybe one of the next really, really good players. 
So, right. You know, they're going to be a little I, bit I quicker. They're going to they they be more uh, aggressive. To, they're going to be more aggressive to lock up he, a minor leaguer because they really yeah, can't get the big I, I guess, that are already on the market. I, I guess they just better hope that he's not one of those like Lars Anderson. Uh, from the Boston Red Sox, when everybody thought that Lars Anderson was going to be the next big thing to come, to come up to Boston, and then he completely flamed out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a risk, but yeah, he does. I, he damn better, I, I would assume he's going to be a starting center fielder coming up, start earning that money. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it looks like he will play at center field if he breaks uh if he breaks camp with uh with the Brewers. Nice. From what it looks like. Uh let's see. The Oh, speaking of the Brewers, they did re-sign free agent left-handed pitcher uh Wade Miley to a one-year 8 and a half million dollar deal with a mutual option for the 2025 season. Uh the it looks like he will make a seven million dollar base salary, and the mutual option is worth twelve million for next year, along with a one and a half million dollar buyout. I mean, thirty-seven years old, he had a three point one four ERA for the Brewers last year. Easy decision for them, especially with Brandon Woodruff no longer in the picture for them. Easy decision. Um, they also agreed to terms uh, with free agent right-hander Joe Ross on a one-year deal. Uh, he pitched 14 innings in the minors last year after undergoing his second career Tommy John surgery back in 2022. Uh, he last pitched in the majors in, 20, in 2021 when he threw 108 innings for the Washington Nationals with a 4.17 ERA back then. Um, But they clearly saw enough in his minor league sample to offer him a major league deal. But uh, there's no word as of yet if he'll be given a chance to battle for a spot in the rotation or if he'll be used out of the bullpen. But, it sounds like it's a major league deal that he officially signed with the Brewers. Um, also, uh, we were talking about the Dodgers earlier. Uh, assuming that the Shohei Otani deal goes through, uh, he will be getting the number of Joe Kelly, number 17, uh, which, of course, he wore with the Angels. Because uh, Joe Kelly re-signed with the Dodgers on a one-year, eight million dollar deal. Uh, so basically, and it sounds like Joe Kelly has been is willing to give up his number. I guess that's a huge deal for uh, for Otani. Uh, something having to do with uh, with tradition over in Japan or something. Um, Also, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies, they have extended the contract of manager Rob Thompson through the 2025 season, according to Bob Nightingale of USA Today. Uh, They had previously signed him to a two-year deal after the 2022 season, so now uh, this new deal will add one more year to his contract with the team. Uh, They also extended their hitting coach, Kevin Long, to a contract 
through the same year through 2025. Uh, and I mean, obviously, you know, they made it to the World Series uh, last yeah. season uh, before losing to the Astros. And then they lost in the NLCS to the Diamondbacks this year. So obviously, you know, the contract is the contract extension is worth it for uh, for them with Thompson. So I don't see any issue with that. Neither do I. Um, Jim Leland has officially been elected to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame by the 16-person Contemporary Baseball Era Committee. Uh, he received a 15 out of six. Yeah, you know that's that's what I'm wondering is what the hell took them so long to to get him into the uh, to get him into the mix. Uh, he received yeah. all but one vote out of the 16 person committee. Um, he managed 22 seasons in the big leagues. Uh, the Pirates, Marlins, Rockies, and Tigers. He won the National League Manager of the Year Award twice with the Pirates, both in 90 and 92. Uh, he was the Manager of the Year for the Tigers in 2006. He won a World Series with the Marlins back in 97 and also won two American League pennants with the Tigers back in 2006 and 2012. His 1,769 career wins rank 18th on the all-time managerial wins list. I mean, what the hell took them so long to add to add him to the uh, yeah. to the Hall of Fame here? I mean, there was no reason for that. That took way too long. Yeah, should have already been done. Yeah. I mean, Alex. What, Alex? What are your thoughts on uh, on Jim Leland uh, finally making it to the Hall of Fame through the uh, through the uh, modern era uh, committee? Yeah, I mean, he's still one of the legends of the game. He's an icon. So better late than never. But yeah, like Lou said, it should have should have already been done. So glad it's at least happening now. Better late than never. Yeah, it's definitely well worth it for him. And finally, at the age of 79, he finally makes it in. Um, I assume Dusty Baker will be seeing his name get called in in five years or so uh, once he is officially eligible to be inducted in. Um, Going over to the NBA – what did we talk about uh, before the podcast tonight, Alex? About how uh, <laughs> this would be uh, uh, this would be LeBron basically saving everything for oh, I, if I can't win uh, another NBA title, I'll win the first ever NBA Cup. Yeah, it looks like they're gonna win. Yep, you called it. Yeah, their pitches are definitely pitches of one of the best up and coming teams. But uh, it's LA's night to shine. You know, yeah, be able LeBron to with twenty-two points, twenty-two points, eleven rebounds. Yeah. Anthony Davis going flat out ham on the Indiana Pacers, thirty-nine points, twenty rebounds, and counting. 
right now with about two with about three minutes to go in the game. Uh, Lakers have, I think it's like a 16-point lead on the Pacers. And at one point it was close. It looked like Indiana was, was going to come back, but now all of a sudden L.A. has just completely taken over. Uh, last year was Denver uh, one at all, you know, with Jokic, Coach Jokic and Aaron Gordon. I mean, L.A., love them or hate them. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to quite win at all, but they're still very good, and, and they can beat up on smaller teams. And Indiana's, like, really fast, but, you know, L.A.'s just got LeBron and Anthony Davis down low right now, kind of beating up on them tonight. Yeah. They're just bigger and stronger. Uh, Austin Reeves, he has 24 points off of the bench for the Lakers. Uh, D'Angelo Russell with another 13 points uh, starting for the Lakers tonight. I mean, this this game is basically the LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves show, essentially. Reeves has proven himself to be a really good player. He really is. He's so clutch. He always makes big shots. He's a smart player. And it looks, and it also looks like on the opposite side, it looks like the uh, this was this was considered to be the tournament that was tur- that was going to turn Tyrese Halliburton into a breakout star, with how yeah. he eliminated the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks uh, these first two games, and it seems like he has kind of come back down to earth a little bit tonight. Eighteen points, ten assists. Uh, for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, but regardless, though, you know, for a team uh, that not everybody was very high on to start off the year, I mean, obviously this would drop them to 12-9 and nine on the year. But they are, they're, they're in the mix right now in the Eastern Conference. And I got to tell you, I mean, this – you know, a lot of people may argue otherwise, but I think this was a star-building type of tournament for Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, really, really, man. I mean, he went, I was reading some amazing stats this week about he had three or four games in a row, twenty-five points, ten assists, and zero turnovers. He's all—he's six foot. I guess six foot six. He's tall, really tall and just smart and just a great leader on the floor. They're a fun, fun young team to watch. They're just not L.A., man. They just smack them around. But, yeah, Halliburton's awesome. I know the Mavericks. I know Mark Cuban talks about it. He said he really thought he was going to be, like, the perfect guy to put with Doncic, and he tried to trade for him. And the Heat really wanted him. Apparently, a lot of people are talking about how they could, some of, the, like, the really big NBA executives could tell, even though he played at Iowa State, like, not a, not a big college game. A lot of people could tell in the league that he was going to be the next one of the next big stars. So, He's quite a good player. I know, I know the Knicks passed up on him a couple of years ago when, when he came out in the draft, too. Several teams did. Oh, wow, that was ruled a charge. So LeBron James gets the foul on a, char- on a charge. Uh, oh, there's a three by Halliburton. Uh, it's, still, it's still a 13-point deficit, though, uh, with Speaking about three, two and a half I, minutes I, I, to go. I just came back inside. Speaking of the three, have you seen this? His shot, though, Halliburton just chucks it up. It's a really ugly-looking jump shot. But it goes in. 
Yeah, but that's the thing, though. It goes in. like It, it almost seems like a lot of these threes that he puts up there are effortless. Yeah, he just, it's really like high arcing. He just like bombs it. Throws it way up there. Ooh, LeBron, LeBron, though, showing yeah. off some, some burst from his Cleveland days, though. LeBron still Dude, has stole, that burst. Awesome. Yep. He's yeah, 20, obviously, 25 points for 25 points a game for 21 seasons. Remarkable. Yeah. And actually, uh, I read something today that says his field goal efficiency is actually the highest this season that it's been in any season uh, that he's had in the league. Uh, he still looks as dominant as ever to me. Yeah, maybe he'll slow down a little bit here and there just because he gets maybe a little bit tired, but he's still a total force of nature, a freak of nature. And not just that, but Anthony Davis is back to being uh, the Anthony Davis from the uh, Pelicans years, it looks like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think this, this should be uh, – you know, they're, yeah, they're going to be a pretty dangerous, uh, a pretty dangerous force in the in the Western Conference this year. Um, I mean, it's also you know, it's also good on uh, on LA for the obviously the winners they get five hundred thousand uh, dollars, which you yeah. know for the for the big time players is is chump change, but you know for for the bench players and for players who maybe aren't making that much money, you know, that's actually a pretty sizable, uh, especially for the rookies on the team, that's a pretty sizable uh, uh, bump and pay, basically. And uh, the Pacers, my understanding is because they're the runner-ups, they get uh, $200,000, I think, uh, per player. Got to try to get out of Las Vegas without spending too much of it. Right. Escape from Vegas. Escape. Just get on the flight and go home. You know, at the same time, though, how fitting is it that one of the NBA's most prestigious uh, franchises is the first winner of the of the NBA Cup of the first ever NBA Cup? Silver loves it. I mean, no, it is fitting. I mean, it's you know the one thing I think that really killed Indiana is Buddy Heald. Buddy Heald completely disappeared tonight, as did Bruce Brown. Yeah, I'm looking at the again now. Three for three. Buddy Heald's three for eleven. Yeah, only yeah, man. You gotta have your best. Players gotta show up in these games. Especially if they want to qualify. Only eight points. Like yeah, Bruce yeah. Bruce Brown only had four. Jeez. Uh, Miles Turner already fouled out. Uh, as uh, Obi Toppin is actually close, as well as Aaron Neesmith is close to fouling out. I mean, there's. Yeah, there's definitely. Uh, there's definitely a lot of work uh, specifically. Ooh, that was a pretty hard fall um, for, by mm-hmm. Neesmith. But mm-hmm. especially, you know, 
obviously obviously it's still early on in the season. You know, Pages will fall to twelve and nine uh as a result of this, but you know, it's just I guess you could say there's there you could say the Pacers gained a little bit of experience from this because even though it's not technically the playoffs, it really felt like a playoff type atmosphere for this tournament. Definitely. I mean, it's very weird to put it that way, but it's true. It literally, you know, you even said it to me earlier, Alex, that they were trying that they're trying to treat this like such a huge deal when really it's just yeah. a tournament final. It's big, though, for a team like them. I mean, they don't get a lot of respect league-wide, worldwide, really, for NBA fans. So. Pacers kind of made it right. more. They got to the championship. They showed that, they, you know, a lot of people are talking, like us, are talking about Halliburton now. And, you know, they got a good squad. So it's a good good job by the – good showing by the Pacers. You know, good for their, like, reputation, for their confidence. Shows that they can play with the big dogs. Yeah. So. And let's not, let's not forget, too, Lakers, man these final stages of LeBron's career that I'm sure at the trade deadline, they'll add another really yeah. big player coming up. I bet they're going to add someone else. I don't think they're going to put up with like a D'Angelo Russell throwing up bricks in, in the right. They're going to get even better. They're going to, they're going to upgrade again. Probably replace D'Angelo Russell. They'll go all in. I, yeah, and yeah, I mean, I would, I would not be shocked. The... And like the, the Warriors, I know we've spoken about that. They, they look so slow. Like, they're not as good as they once were. Uh, a couple teams, you know, Grizzlies are obviously totally falling down. West is kind of wide open now. Lakers can get back there one more time with, with Ron. Yeah, uh, I think I think it's definitely possible. You know, the an, another thing too, since since you brought up the uh, since you brought up the Golden State Warriors, I mean, they. It's so weird because they literally just won the NBA title two years ago, and yeah. it's almost like they have completely fallen off. You know, like last year they barely snuck in. Last year yeah. they barely snuck in, and this year, you know, they're two games below five hundred. Especially with with an with two elite players like Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, I mean it's just so odd to look at this Clay's Golden State now. Warriors team. To look at this Golden State Warriors team and say, "Really?" I watched. I, I watched them creatively. I, I was able to watch them for a little bit online with the uh, Warriors Blazers, and they. So obviously the Blazers are a huge underdog. They're just rebuilding. It's all twenty year olds, twenty one year olds playing against Clay and Steph. Dude, they were Steph Steph and Clay combined were two for fifteen from three. And then Steph got gone, but Clay Clay Thompson like I and then I saw them last night against the Thunder. He's been he's he hasn't even been playing a lot in the fourth quarters. I mean, he's shooting like most nights now, Clay is like a liability. He's really slowed down. He's just not hitting the shots. And then Draymond Green, right? Still flopping a lot, but I guess the league, or you know what I mean? Draymond Green slowed down, and he's just like throwing temper tantrums every night, and the refs don't like him at all now. They're really, uh, Warriors really just look like an older, 
slower, like 500 team. They really, I don't really think they're a threat anymore. They aged really quickly. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is having a down year. Clay Thompson's having yeah. a down year. Uh, Steph Curry, if anything, is still is really the only one that he's still, still playing up to par. Yeah, yeah, he's the oldest one. I think he's thirty six already. So it's like you know, and he's a small guy. I mean, I just yeah, and they don't have a couple of number one draft picks too. They traded one to Boston. Blazers have the Warriors' number one pick next year through the uh, Time Lord deal. I don't even know how to explain that one, but they, I know I know for sure they have the rights to that now. So the Warriors won't have a draft pick for a couple of years either. Pretty interesting. They just they, I mean, Warriors Draymond, don't look that good. You know, you know, Draymond is going. Draymond is sort of increasing his produ- his point production a little bit, but not by much. I mean, it seems like you're starting to get more production out of players like Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, you know, yeah. they're spreading they're spreading the point production around more, but. It's almost as if, yeah, you're spreading the point production around more, but at the same time, you're also costing your team as a result of that. Yeah, they just can't really I mean, rely hell, on the even, big three ca- like even Kayvon yeah. Looney is having a little bit of a down year, too. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You know, he's not yeah, even averaging like the point. I never got on my way to try to watch the Warriors. I just, like, the past couple of weeks, I've just been watching them. I just like watching NBA, like, especially if I'm kind of, like, during the week, I'll just yeah. on a game, like, randomly. Like, a West Coast game later at night, I'll watch for, like, an hour. And they've been on quite a bit recently, who I've been tuning in to. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, Draymond Green is constantly bitching and complaining. Pardon my Latin. He's constantly, and he's just, like, it's just so annoying. The league's just kind of dumb. Yeah. Them, and now other teams, they, other teams, these younger guys love, like showing, like, like dunking on Draymond Green. They love beating Draymond Green. He's just an unpopular guy, and he's slowing down. And then Clay Thompson is like a nice guy. He's just guys. He's just not not a great shooter anymore. So it's just you. Those guys. Those two guys have really taken a step back. So yeah. So there's the, a, there's the final. Uh, there, there's the final. Lakers. LA defeats uh, defeats India Indiana one twenty three to one oh nine. Uh, Anthony Davis finishes 41 points, 20 rebounds. Uh, LeBron James, 24 points, 11 rebounds. Wow. Austin Reeves with 28 points off of the bench. Uh, yeah, the, this is this was basically the the trio, the trio of uh, yeah. of LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves, basically taking mm-hmm. over this entire game. 41 points, 20 rebounds, four blocks for AD. Lou, what do you think as a Laker fan? Do you think they can win it all this year? Well, if there's any indication, I think they will. I mean, you know, they started out slowly last year, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, the Griggs underestimated them. I mean, they did start three and five, but look what they've done since then. So, you know, I think they just stepped in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all if they're if if they're considered to be one of the top uh, one of the top contenders in the Western Conference. Now, I don't know if they're going to win it all because you know they still have to get by, uh, you know, they have to get by play, teams like the Denver Nuggets, 
Uh, I mean, hell, you look at the standings right now. Oklahoma City is at the is in the number two spot, and Minnesota is on top with only four losses this whole season. Minnesota. Who would have thought that Minnesota would have the best record in the regular season right now? I didn't think that at all. No. Yeah, there's a lot of teams coming up now. Anthony Edwards is awesome in Minnesota. But yeah, no one really saw that coming to you. But yeah, just now the Warriors are phasing out. The, the Clippers are old. You know, it's just like father time. Now there's there's new guns coming up, new new young players coming up. But I think the one yeah. last hurrah for LeBron and AD, I think they can definitely do it. Wouldn't shock me at all if they get to the big the, the big game this year. It's possible, uh, but you know, all I know is that there's they have a lot of competition this year. Um, a lot of competition. I mean, you know, especially with Oklahoma, with Oklahoma City now being fully healthy, you know, having all of their uh, having all of their first round draft picks. Uh, God knows how much, how many draft picks they have to, they have moving forward here. Uh, but it, it almost, I mean, Shy Gilgis Alexander is averaging thirty and a half points per game for Oklahoma City. Holmgren's awesome Holmgren now, yeah. is really averaging good. seventeen. Uh, you know, it's uh, you're really but. starting to see. Oklahoma City really start to really start to come together uh, with all of the talent that they have on that roster. Yeah, I just in a playoff game if I had to bet, I'd, I mean, veteran experience. I think LeBron and AD would get would would top them one final time. But yeah, Oklahoma City's on the rise definitely. Um, I just I'm going to be interested to see if like if the Lakers add a third star for this thing. You know they're going to be working those right on the trade deadline. They're going to load up all in one last time with LeBron. They won I mean, this like one for tonight. example, for example, you take a you take a look at some of the other, uh, you know, some of the other teams around. Uh, Sacramento has seen a bit of a fall from the number three spot all the way down to number six, considering where they finished at number three last year. Uh, Phoenix, after you know, after they acquired Kevin Durant, everybody was looking at Phoenix as being the consensus uh, favorites for this year, and they're in the play-in tournament right now. Wow! I mean, it's uh, the West is just completely flipped upside down it feels with the gri- the Grizzlies are nowhere near playoff contention yeah. uh the Warriors the Warriors are literally on the barrier between the play-in and being completely out of the playoffs uh the Rockets surprisingly are in the play-in tournament right now you know it's just the carries. West is just completely different this year. Yeah. And hey, I, I'm always a happy camper when James Harden is suffering from the losses. So I don't even have to deal with the Clippers. Are, are they 500 yet? 
You're going to wreck that roster. Uh, they are. They are one game over 500. Yeah, it'll be a fun season. Yeah, they're at they're at eleven and ten right now. Mm-hmm. They're seven and three in their last ten. Oh, we do have a little bit of news. It looks like uh, Trevor Lawrence. If pregame goes well, Trevor Lawrence is planning to play for the Jacksonville Jaguars after injuring himself last uh last week. Big news for Jag. Huh. They need him. Yeah, they most definitely need him, that's for sure. Um yeah. Oh, speaking of which, yeah, we do have obviously uh NFL news. Uh, Kenny Pickett had surgery on his high ankle sprain uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, He's likely to miss two to four weeks, uh, which obviously he didn't play this week against the Patriots. Uh, Instead, the Pittsburgh Steelers trotted out Mac Jones, I mean uh, Mitch Trubisky, um, for that game. (laughs) Mitch Trubisky. Although, let's be perfectly honest, let's, let's... yeah, Trubutsky, but let's be perfectly honest. If we, if we had put out Mac Jones there instead of Mitch Trubisky, would anybody have noticed the difference? No. no. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Jones. I mean, that's pretty much he, – he, he's yeah, pretty much – both of them are pretty much the same player. Trading places, same result. Unbelievable. Pittsburgh cannot play any offense. And then their wide receivers are just not even, like, running around or blocking or trying. That's weird. Well, uh, everyone says that's great for Mike Tomlin. It's like, why are the players just so dysfunctional? And why can't they play any offense? It's just weird. Something's going on in Pittsburgh. Well, you know, I think the problem is they don't have a quarterback. And, I mean, they do have that's a quarterback. Well, they do have a quarterback, but yet at the same time, they do have, they do have a quarterback, but the problem is is that you know it's not like Ben Roethlisberger. It's not like when Ben Roethlisberger was playing, and you know yeah. that that they're going to be a threat every single game. It's got to be so frustrating. It's obviously frustrating for the fans, but I mean the, the defense like they just the offense just can't score points. It's just really puzzling. They got to right. get the quarterback. Pickett cannot be considered the, the solution long term. I would think they're they're not going to keep that guy for too much longer. I just I don't yeah. know, seem that that guy has what it takes. I mean, do you guys think Pickett should stay there? They they got they should upgrade, right? Right. Now uh, the Houston Texans, uh, according to uh, D'Amico Ryan, Tank Dell has officially undergone season-ending surgery on his ankle after he fractured his fibula in their win last week over the Denver Broncos. So his stellar rookie season and probably C.J. Stroud's biggest weapon uh, has now officially come to an end, uh, ending his season with 47 catches for 709 yards and seven touchdowns. Um, Also... Also, he averaged uh, 
15.1 yards per catch while hauling in 10 catches of 20-plus yards this season. Yeah. Uh, so now, obviously, preparation begins for next year. But if the Texans make the playoffs, that is a huge loss to their uh, to their offensive attack. Yeah, absolutely. What a great uh, pro athlete named Tank. Tank. <laughs> great football name. Little guy, yeah, too. Tank. Tank of a player. Uh, speaking of uh, with the NBA, or not NBA, I'm sorry, the NFL, uh, staying, with the, staying with the NFL, the New England Patriots, before their win, although they, they did have, uh, they were involved in history this week as well, uh, but before their win on Thursday Night Football, um, the Patriots became, became the first team in the Super Bowl era to give up three straight games of 10 or fewer points and lose all three of those games. They are wow. the first team... They are the first team to also do that since the Chicago Cardinals back in 1938. And those Cardinals lost four in a row. All right. I mean, it's just, it's it's honestly just ridiculous too. And it's the first time in franchise history that they've been shut out multiple times at home in a single season as well. Right. I mean, my God. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, It it hurts quite a lot to be a Patriots fan. We'll put it that way. uh, This season. But uh, anyways, we're going to cut it short uh, for tonight. Um, We will be back next week for another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly. Uh, Thank you to Lou and Alex and Diane for joining me tonight. Uh, We will be back next Saturday night. Uh, By the way, a reminder for Survivor fans, this upcoming Thursday night, we will have another edition of the Survivor 45 Recap Podcast. Uh, with only two more podcasts to go uh, for Survivor before the, that podcast will be taking a hiatus. Um, but, yeah, uh, for Sports Whispers Weekly, we will be back next week uh, at 9 p.m. Eastern. And if you guys haven't done so yet, you can subscribe to the Missy AE podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash AE or by following us on any of our major podcast networks, uh, such as iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and any of our other major podcast networks. So, yeah, uh, everybody have a great rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.